With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. you from the Fraser Valley. This is Left of the Valley with Kevin and Karen. Hi, Karen. Hello. How are you doing today? I'm great. How are you? Well, you know, still here, still live, can't complain. Even if I did, who would listen? But hopefully you guys are listening right now. And we have with us today two very special guests, so we're very happy to have them here. We are, Absolutely. We have a great show today for you guys. The, the title of the show is A Skeptical Look at Martial Arts. And let's bring these people in. We got... You go ahead, do the honors. <laughs> well, first we have Charles Ahrens, who uh, teaches is a sensei for Aikido at Aikido Takayama, which is a nonprofit group here in Mission. Hello, Charles. Hello, how are you? Good, thank you. Happy to have you here. And we also have Chris Taylor. Oh, that's right, wait, I'm not getting your name wrong. <laughs> Sudden have a panic. And he teaches is a sensei for uh, ninjutsu. Uh, he teaches in Abbotsford, and uh, we're happy to have you here, too. Very much. I'm pleased to be here. Awesome. Well, before we get into our subject, which is, uh, like I said, a skeptical look at martial arts, uh, we got a few uh, a little house cleaning to do, and uh, let's get into that. Um, local news. You want to talk a quick, really briefly about local news? Uh, it seems that in Mission, uh, Randy Hawes, the ex-MLA, is going to run again for mayor. Yes, he certainly. Uh, he hasn't committed definitely, as far as I know, but he's certainly making noises that he will. Abbotsford apparently just went to court again to fight against the homeless. So, <laughs> but we'll we'll deal with that some other time. But we do have something interesting. Um, Yeah. We got mail? We got mail. Actually, we received thousands and thousands of letters all the time. Right. But actually, we thought... Of course, we got mail. Yeah, of course. (laughs) Of course. 
But this one I thought was really nice, and I thought I'd want to share that with the people real quick. It's actually from our uh, friends, uh, the group Natural Selection, that uh, came by a, a couple of weeks ago. And uh, they sent us an email, and they say, uh, Thank you so much for the opportunity um, by the podcast, Left at the Valley, uh, to record a session with us, a Natural Selection. This podcast addresses uh, pertinent issues affecting the real world. We look forward to each new podcast, listening to your interesting facts and issues. Are we sure she's listening to the same podcast we are? <laughs> of course. <laughs> <laughs> it was an absolutely amazing time. You made it so much fun and yet incredibly informative and relaxed. Uh, we would not hesitate and would welcome the opportunity to record with you again. Aww. Aww isn't that That's nice? That's very nice. That's very nice. Thank you. And uh, you guys also can send us an email, your love mail, your hate mail, left at the valley at outlook.com. L-E-F-T-A-T-Valley at Outlook.com. But let's get back to on track here, and uh, you get your This Day in History segment. Okay, well, This Day in History on June 24, 1509, Henry VIII was crowned King of England. Uh, June 25, 1997, Jacques Cousteau died. I always feel like he didn't live, that he lived much longer ago than that, but he didn't. 1997. 2009, Michael Jackson died. <laughs> June 26, 1819, the bicycle is patented by W.K. Clarkson. Oh, by the way, gentlemen, feel free to jump in, too. If you got, want to add something to what Karen is saying, don't be shy. We don't bite. Only upon request. <laughs> June 26, 1959, the St. Lawrence Seaway connecting the Great Lakes to the Atlantic is opened. Well, that's pretty cool Canadian history. June 26, 1976, the CN Tower opens... And in June 26, 2000, the human genome map is completed. Um, I was there when they built the CN Tower. Really? Yeah. That's yeah. cool. In Toronto? Yeah. Oh, wow. Huh. Um, June 28, 1914, Archduke Ferdinand of Austria-Hungary is assassinated starting the First World War, the Great War. Uh, and June 28, 1919, the Treaty of Versailles is signed in France, ending the Great War. Um, July 1st, 1867. Anyone know what happened on July 1st, 1867? <laughs> 147 years old, is that what we are? Yeah. There. Somewhere around there. Canada becomes a self-governing dominion under the British North America Act. Um, June, ju- sorry, July 1st, 1968, the U.S., Britain, and the Soviet Union, and... You can't read my writing. I can't read your writing. I know this, but I still can't read it. Anyway, they signed the Nuclear Non-Proliferation Treaty in 1968. July 2nd, 1566. Now, this is the most important fact of the day. Nostradamus died. (laughs) (laughs) He didn't see that coming. (laughs) How do you know? (laughs) July 2nd, 1937. Amelia Earhart disappears over the Pacific. Actually, you know, it's kind of funny because there is there is an urban myth that Nostradamus did predict his own death. And something about if you drink out of his skull, you inherit his prophetic powers. But if you believe that kind of stuff. Where's his skull? Well, somewhere in his grave, I would assume. <laughs> yeah. you'd, you'd know where it is, wouldn't you? Yeah. <laughs> uh, speaking of Amelia Earhart, there is a young woman in her early 30s whose name is Amelia Earhart. And she's going to attempt the same flight that the original did. Really? Cool. That is very cool. Is she Canadian or American? She's American. Wow. 
That's that's awesome. I'm going to have to look into that. What is this supposed to happen? Uh, I don't know. I just ran across it several days ago. She's using a modern the Cherokee or Piper or whatever, but, you know, she has navigational stuff, but she's going to try it. Wow. Wow. That's Good neat. for her. Yeah. July 3rd, 1608, Samuel de Champlain founded Quebec City. My hometown. Yay. Um, <clears throat> July 4th, 1776, the United States declares independence. July 4th, 1884, the Statue of Liberty is presented to the U.S. in Paris, a gift from the French. And uh, July 4th, 2012, this is very recent history, the Higgs boson particle is discovered. Yes, also named by some people the God particle, but there's a debate apparently on that. Uh, July 5th, 1996, the first clone sheep, Dolly, is born. I remember that very well. And July 6th, 1885, Louis Pasteur successfully treats a patient with a rabies vaccine. That's mm-hmm. cool. And last one, July 6th, 1997, the Mars ro- rover Sojourner rolls on the Martian surface. Yes. The spaceship on Mars. All right. And that was it for our segment. Yes, that's it. All right. Thank you. Go join us. Th- no, no, I'm just kidding. I'm just <laughs> <laughs> Let's get into well. our, our, our what we're really here for. We're taking a skeptical look at martial arts. Everybody was All right, gentlemen. Um, Would you be so kind to introduce yourself with a quick yes. Reader's Digest synopsis of who you are, how you came here, and how come you're down here in the dungeon with us today? What brought you to martial <laughs> arts and... Uh, you know, what What do you love about it? No fighting over this. You can each go one at a time. Chris, why don't you go first? Go ahead, Chris. Okay. Well, my name is Chris Taylor. Uh, I'm 47 years old, and I started training in the martial arts probably about the time I was 9 or 10. I started with judo, which uh, I became a little unenamored with fairly quickly after hitting the mat you know, all day long, and it seemed to be a little tiring, giving me headaches, so I quit. And a few years later, I read uh, a dime store novel, it had ninja in it. I thought that was the coolest thing ever. So I started looking into this thing. And another day I found a book about ninjutsu in another bookstore. And so I started getting a little more intrigued. And so there was actually a group of people that apparently knew more about this. So I wrote to them and got a little more involved. And so that's how it started. I was about 15 or 16 at that time. And there became a little club in Ottawa where I was living at the time. And after a few years, uh, the Grandmaster, who existed in Japan, said that he really didn't want to call this ninjutsu anymore. Um, although it was ninjutsu at its core, he really didn't like what was happening to his art and the kind of people he saw getting involved with it. Uh, it was a pretty crazy time in the mid-80s. Um, so he, he changed it to Bujinkan uh, Budo Taijutsu, which he thought more encompassed the feeling what he was trying to get across. And there's certainly still ninjutsu in it, but it's not you know, putting on black masks and running around in the dark. It's It's more about... Uh, playing with people's perceptions uh, when you're in combat. So it's sort of the sneaky stuff that's in the fighting. It's not necessarily uh, all pinchy stuff and things, but just giving people ideas about what's happening that are completely incorrect so you can defeat them or at least not necessarily defeat them, but walk away yourself and be be alive the next day. Um, So you're not going to kill us here? You won't know, will you? (laughs) (laughs) No, you're pretty safe. Okay, good. Thank you. Yeah, interesting. Sorry, I did, did I interrupt your... No, I don't know. Um, I, I'm like, say, I think like many, you know, as a young kid, I, I had my episodes with bullies and stuff, but that's certainly uh, not why I stayed in martial arts. I think 
the relationships you, you build with their people, uh, the fascinating people that you meet, um, you know, in, in your own clubs. I travel to Japan every couple of years, trying to get some training there, meet people from all over the world, and uh, I think uh, meet just an amazing cross section of people. They're certainly interesting people. People drawn to martial arts. They're not your average Joe for sure, but uh, you meet some very fascinating people, and that's certainly what's kept kept me uh, so intrigued in this. It, you know, it's good for trying to learn things, and you see people are so much better than you. You say, oh, that looks so easy, and then you can't do it. So it, it's fun to learn that stuff, and you're always trying to expand your mind and, and, and learn more. It's not just about your body. Very interesting. Yeah, thank you. Cynthia Charles. Well, my name is Charles Aarons. Uh, I'm an Aikido instructor and still a student, of course. Uh, I started in, I don't know the month, but 1971 in Toronto, and I have been with Aikido ever since. Um, I agree with a lot of what Chris, what you said. Um, about not killing us, right? <laughs> no, just about the... Uh, <laughs> no, not that part. <laughs> um, about the reasons, uh, types of personalities that are attracted to a more traditional martial art. Um, at the time that I started, the, the, the Bruce Lee thing was in its the height of its craze, and I remember searching for a martial art, probably for the same reasons that you did, Chris, that I, I, I found it fascinating. But as I searched the city of Toronto, I only recall seeing a lot of testosterone in these different dojos and people screaming and jumping and kicking off ladders and uh, uh, it was very discouraging until a friend of mine introduced me to um, Aikido, and I was very drawn to the quietness and the grace, the fact that it's non-competitive, which, at least I think, I hope you agree with me, that all the traditional Japanese arts, are, it's not for competition, it's not a sport, you can't put rules on what you can and cannot do because the origin of these arts are, are survival. So, you know. Uh, so anyway, that's about it. I'm still going at it. I'm 66 years old and I train six days a week and fall over dead in the mat one day maybe. Who knows? <laughs> well, let's hope not. But would I be correct to, to, to assume that Aikido kind of has its origin in the Samurai lineage of things? Very definitely. The origin of Aikido goes back to uh, Daito Jiu-Jitsu, which is a, a Takeda family art. Um, now, I'm getting out of my field of expertise here. I'm sure Chris knows a lot more than I do, but the, a lot of the... My impression is that a lot of the original arts were family-controlled, or they tried to remain within... Did they try to remain within their families in this kind of issue? Cause oh, yeah, absolutely, yeah. I mean, to, to share your your secrets with, you know, worth your life. Well, wait wait a minute, wait a minute. Are we, are we saying here that we have basically a samurai art and a ninja art in the same room? <laughs> no, no, we're not going to go with Battle Royale. I'm just kidding, guys. <laughs> well, no, the samurai were... Uh, they were warriors. They were servants to their daimyos. Um, and I don't know anything, Chris, about uh, 
shinobi or, or the related arts to it. And I don't know the relationships between the samurai and, and the shinobi. So yeah, hopefully you can... Yeah. I'm very interested in learning about that. Well, as I take it, I'm no expert either, and I think my understanding of it certainly has changed from what you know I first learned, especially reading paperback novels in the 80s. Um, <laughs> but the whole ninja culture... You know, we're talking about a long period of history, hundreds of years, and some people claim they were a counterculture of the samurai. I don't think that's entirely true. They were people living in a certain region of Japan, a uh, heavily mountain and forested region of Japan. Um, probably were uh, following more along the tenets of um, more indigenous religion in the areas, which, you know, which you know, was not as popular sometimes with the, with the you say the the city or mainstream cultures at the time. Um, they were trying to do their own thing. Some of them uh, learned samurai uh, traditions as well, as people uh, abandoned the military life or they fled battles or whatever else and, and were seeking a place to live. Sometimes they settled in these places. And so a lot of our uh, arts uh, are quite formal samurai arts. They're well recognized. Well, I said, well, they are definitely recognized in within Japanese history. Uh, as being known to exist, um, but then some of the other arts were a little more secretive and very much close family arts, and, mm-hmm. and very little of was shared outside those groups uh, until very, very recently. So, so am I correct to 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 say because I, I've read that the uh, the ninjas, which a lot of people have compared it to kind of like the elite force of their time, um, almost like a special force in a way, kind of started out as monks and thieves. They were called the Yamabushi, I believe. Uh, there were some Yamabushi. The Yamabushi were, were uh, warrior priests, uh, and there was definitely some relationship there. There's some that suggest that maybe more often than not, maybe some of those uh, Yamabushi were actually ninja in disguise, using because they were, you know, certainly that was a big part of ninjutsu was the espionage part of it. Um, and really, for an espionage agent getting into combat, it's usually not considered the best thing to do because you're kind of giving yourself away, and you've, you know, you have reached the end of your rope if you've been discovered and you have to fight. So. Um, there's a bunch of stuff in you know in the ninjutsu schools that uh, the grandmaster just doesn't even want to teach. He doesn't. He says it's out there. He says it's you know stuff about um, poisons and uh, spycraft and and geography and that sort of thing. Just, there's no point in teaching that in the modern age. There's, there's no there's no purpose to that here. And he certainly doesn't want to be giving it out and you know in the image that would give. Yeah, so. yeah, I can, yeah. I can imagine too. <laughs> Somebody could use that <laughs> to very nefarious purposes, I guess. So they were the or the original uh, Oriental spy in a way. Yeah, certainly. Um, I don't know the original, but definitely they distilled a lot of what Sun Tzu talked about in his 13th chapter of The Art of War. Um, that's pretty much what the, you know, the ninja was about. More more about gathering information and, and uh, uh, passing along and doing things samurai weren't allowed to do. So I know that this is encompassing a huge period of Japanese history, but I, just as someone who knows very little about that history, um, I, I know that the, there was warring families and, and uh you know, regions of land that they were sort of kept control over and fighting to maintain control. But how often would there have been wars? Like, was that a constant thing or once in a while? Or, like, how often would a samurai actually have to go to battle? It depends so much of the time. <laughs> I mean, there's, there was the Warring States period where, how long did that go for? It was like 112 years or something, I think. And that was that was a lot of work, you know, for three years constant, you know, and, and okay. much like medieval Europe, you know, these were boys probably in their, in their early teens going off at that point. They were already fully trained warriors going off to fight and stuff. Um, 
then there are other times, like after the Meiji Restoration, that it was a time of complete peace. You know, our image of the samurai walking around with the two swords and the silk kimono, um, that was a time of peace. You know? mm-hmm. and, and as one of my teachers said, the, the katana is a weapon of peace. It's kind of like the, 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 the police officer wearing a pistol at his side. You know, you go to war, you don't take your, well, you might take a pistol, but it's not your weapon. Your main weapon you know, is your rifle, the cannon, whatever else. Mm-hmm. That's, that's warfare. Mm, that's so, true. So it's a very old art as compared to Aikido, which is much more recent as an art, isn't it? Uh, the, the art, as it's called, Aikido, is certainly recent. Uh, it probably started in the thir- early 1930s. Mm. But the body art behind it is uh, goes Trigal, back yeah. quite a long way. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just so it's a newer version of an old idea. With yes, with different principles applied. Uh, the founder of the art became a, a, a deeply religious man as he grew older, and there's a lot of confusion, uh, a lot of nonsense, unfortunately, attached to Aikido. But in its original form, it, it used to be Aikibujutsu, and it was very hard. Very injuries were common, and um, like kind of only the tough survived, and like Chris said earlier, uh, you you had to be invited. Uh, the original people who were the students of the founder were high-ranking military people and so forth. But you couldn't just show up to dojo like you see in the movies and sit outside in the rain for three days, and they accepted you. They, you know, it was very it was very closed. And well, Jackie Chan made a whole career on that. <laughs> Yes, he did. <laughs> <laughs> well, can I? Uh, can we do our our pop quiz now? Because I, I have a feeling some of these an- got questions are going to be answered before we even get to the quiz. So. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you didn't tell me we had a pop quiz. Uh, pop. Uh, what is it? It's only four questions. No one knew. No one has been prepared. Okay. <laughs> yes, you guys know this music. It's when we have a quiz or a debate. And today, I guess we're putting the ninja versus the samurai. Am I playing in this too? Yes, you are. Oh, and versus the annoying <laughs> guy behind the mic as well. <laughs> okay, here we go. Everyone ready? I'm ready. About as ready as we'll ever be. Uh, just to clarify, as someone, I know very little about martial arts, so these questions might seem really incredibly obvious to you guys, but to myself and other people who are not, who might be listening, who aren't all that familiar. Um, they they are not so obvious, so bear with me if this seems really trivial. So should I should I use my? Uh... Ah. Well, um, what an incredibly stupid question! Oh, thank you, you so very much. <laughs> no. <laughs> all right, first question. Then this is something you you have both already touched on. With the, in the eighties, all the um, popular culture kind of twisting of martial arts, so they're almost not recognizable. Which famous American practiced Aikido? Was it A. Chuck Norris, B. Steven Seagal, C. Bruce Lee, or D. Jackie Chan? Not Steven Seagal. Yeah, definitely Seagal. <laughs> but, uh, okay. I'm just going to use the same answer. <laughs> this answer movie was great. Steven Sorry? Seagal has changed his name to Steven Marlon Brando. I mean, he's 400 pounds plus. I, oh, really? I haven't well, seen him for so know, long. He's, uh, <laughs> certainly not. The person he was in the He's not in, in fighting movie. form anymore, is that you're saying? Uh, no, I, I, uh, <laughs> well, maybe for sumo. <laughs> yeah, he uh, has I, put on a lot of weight, he has. Yeah. We shouldn't be mocking him. But uh, uh, one would hope that does not impede his skill. He's still a very skilled 
Oh, I'm sure he is. Yeah. Practitioners. Yeah. Uh, he he did he did boost the popularity of the art he for, certainly for quite did. a while. He helped it quite a lot. Mm-hmm. It's funny how the arts fall as you know certain movies come out and something new and it's the flavor of the the decade. For yeah. Months. Yeah. So that's right. we got okay. the first question. All three of you Woo! got that right. So second question: Which of the following are not part of the 18 disciplines of ninjutsu, uh, but may be taught alongside them? Uh, is it A, free running and medicine, B, meteorology and geography, C, pyrotechnics and horsemanship, or D, espionage and tactics? <laughs> That's a trick question. I'm going to go with espionage and tactics because the rest of them seems like, like so you said, you know. They're not part of the 18 disciplines of ninjutsu. Or, but they're taught or alongside. Or as, it's, as yeah. it's called now, but uh, taught alongside them. I have to go with A. Okay. Uh-oh. <laughs> I I don't know. I'll agree with Kevin. I, I'm hopelessly unknowledgeable about that. And Chris is the one with the correct answer. It's A, free running in medicine. Oh, no. All the other things are part of the 18 disciplines, meteorology and geography. Although, technically speaking, there's a tradition called the Matsutatra, which is, uh, it does involve some uh, natural medicine ideas. It goes back. It's certainly linked with uh, uh, the Bujinkan and some of the other uh, related arts. I thought that was, when I was researching that, I thought that was really interesting that all these things, I mean, it's all essential survival skills, especially if you're by yourself and, you know, fleeing for your life or just trying to be undetected. Yeah, it's pretty neat. And as Kevin will tell you, I do occasionally make my students run. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, just got to make sure I get the right footwear next time. (laughs) Okay, next question. Aikido was created in the time period of, A, 1910 to 1930. So this is the modern form of it. It is. It has a long history, but this is the, the modern form. This is practiced. A, 1910 to 1930s. B, 1810 to 1830s. C, 1650s. Or D, 1970s. Okay. Yeah. I gotta go with A. <laughs> yes. You, we've already covered that answer, actually. <laughs> yes. Is it A? And this one, I'm... I'm not sure if I was reading a very accurate source, so hopefully I've got the question <laughs> right. <laughs> but Kane Doshi was, if I'm pronouncing that right, Kane Doshi Doshi was a found was a was a founder or someone in the, who involved was found in the blah, involved in the founding of ninjutsu or the of evolution of ninjutsu. He was a a monk, b samurai, or c farmer. Kane Doshi. This is Doshi you're talking about. Doshu is just the leader of the way, I guess. It, it's okay. So then the name would be... Okay. Monk. Yeah. Go with the monk? And you went with the... Uh, well, I, I don't know. Do we have a Doshu. Do I assume all other Japanese traditional arts do or don't? Or? Yeah, we're talking a long time ago here. <laughs> 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 and Aikido Doshu means leader of the way. That, okay. That, that's all. Okay. It's okay. the headmaster of the arts. So, so. So and what were the choices? Monk? Monk, samurai, or farmer? I'm going to go with the farmer because you guys can go with the other one. Actually, don't change your answer, Chris. (laughs) He was a monk, yes. Oh, he was a monk. All right. Like I said, I'm not sure how. This is a long time in the past, so how accurate that is, who knows. That's what I read. Did I actually get one question right on this, or I think I had them all wrong? No, no, you got uh, Steven Seagal and... You only got wrong the wrong action. Oh, okay. That's not too bad. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. All right. Well, thank you, gentlemen. Now, let's get back into our thing, as we were talking about. Uh, <laughs> you want to take the lead on the on the on asking the questions about the, these gentlemen and the skeptical look 
and martial mm-hmm. arts. Now that we've been done some intro and a bit of history. Uh, well, I I have a question, um, or not really a question, but something that I, I I'd like your opinion on. Um, quite a long time ago, my daughter was in kindergarten, and they did a field trip to a dojo, uh, a karate dojo, and um, the instructor uh, is a nice man. I don't remember his name now, but he. He was very, very militaristic and very strict, and you, he told them all, you call me sir, and you do not question anything that I tell you to do. And I, I started thinking about that and and thinking about how respect is, is a huge part of any learning system, but also how uh, in the past um, masters would have been well-versed in poetry and in uh, calligraphy, and they would have been well, very well-rounded individuals. It wasn't just fighting. And yet, in, in this particular dojo, and in others that I've seen in North America, that seems to get left out, and all that is focused on is the fighting, and especially if it's, a, it's something where there's competitions. And so I'm curious what your, what your impression of that is, and what you think it does to the art. And Chris, why don't you handle this one? <laughs> I, I would agree with you, Karen. Um, I think a large part of it is a lot of what we think of as, as uh, modern martial arts is really uh, largely a, a Western phenomenon, um, maybe extracted from arts taken, I guess, from Japan uh, that were presented for high school students. Karate and judo uh, are regular sports in high school in Japan, just like we would take soccer and, and baseball and football. And so they have a certain program that's much same as, as we teach you know, kids mm-hmm. in, in school. And, and so these are large groups of people, and especially if they're unruly teenagers, you know, you need to have that real structure to it. Um, but that said, absolutely, respect was a huge part of certainly Japanese and, and most Eastern cultures. You know, um, uh, it was a violent place. Uh, life was cheap. And so, you know, you stepped outside those lines and, and you basically didn't, follow your manners and and you're in a lot of trouble mm-hmm. so the whole culture works that way and just being in japan you just see it's still much like that they don't execute you for you know being insubordinate but you know it, it's not overlooked like it would be here in the west so much um but yeah i mean i look to the classical martial arts you know uh, and i i think aikido falls into that and since it's heavily extracted from old Kobudo martial arts, and as as is the Bujinkan arts, they come from Kobudo, although it's a relatively recent uh, conglomeration. Um, but our sensei, you know, he takes a break in the middle class. We drink tea, and he does paintings, you know. And I, I think if you've mm-hmm. been to my place, you'll see that we have a couple of paintings around that he's given to me over the years. Um, and he tells us one should not be just a martial artist. One should that you know you shouldn't earn your living from martial arts. Is as it makes you too narrow a person. You need to have an outside life. And then martial arts should give you a hone your edge. Yeah, the, the this question I wanted to get into because you see exactly that. Karen kind of started on this, and you you kind of pointed that out. You do see a lot of schools out there, and that's what they do for a living. These people do that for a living. You walk into the dojo, and all you see is uh, trophies lying along the wall. And I don't know, I, I, I just get a really, really bad vibe about this whenever I walk in there. And is there really something to that? You So you agree when you're saying, you know, one should not, although it'd be nice, but one should not really make a living as a martial arts teacher. Yeah, I, I think I, I largely feel that. I mean, I, I understand where it comes from, and it's, it's, it's become a business now, you know, here. And so some people um, 
it may be all all they know, and I certainly know people in my art that 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 go that way too. That they pretty much just teach all the time, every day. Um, but uh, I think there's more to life than that. You know, I think mm. it, it's it's an important part of your life when you take it on, and it, you know it's going to stay with you. But I think you need to look outside a little bit, um, and you can draw on both to help you make you a better person. You know, I have a, a career quite well outside the dojo, and and uh, I think. Martial arts helps in my career, and I think my career helps in my martial arts too. Mm-hmm. And Karen, you you brought up a a point uh, with your question. That part of your question was about children and the dojos, and uh, you know, a lot of I think very few people uh, enter martial arts. They probably really don't know what they want, but once they find out, you have very few lifers. Um, Many people, I don't know, three quarters of my students over 45 years are, are it's a recreational event for them, um, and they come and they go. So as far as your, you mentioned something about discipline. Gee, that's that's really an individual thing. I mean, uh, I agree with Chris very strongly of uh, what he said about you know the the Japanese dojos in North America. You know, you find people that find a good balance, and you find people that are overly militaristic, uh, like mm-hmm. this gentleman you were talking about. And uh, at some point, you you do have to. Your, your teacher has put in a lot of time, he or she, and you do have to respect that. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you don't, it's probably not for you. You know, go mm-hmm. play soccer or do something else that you get your enjoyment out of it. Mm-hmm. I guess my, yeah, I, I totally agree with you what you say about the, they've earned your respect and, and you need to respect your teacher. I guess that this, and this person is not, I, like I said, I don't remember his name and he was a very nice person outside of the class but he was extremely militaristic inside the class and I think that was what bothered me was that aspect of, that one thing that, that one aspect of the art which would have been part of several different different aspects had been just become the only thing the only thing that he he knew about or focused on so that was the thing that concerned me well maybe that's the question we should ask be asking about this is was teaching of martial arts um we see that in movies we see that you know we were talking about Jackie Chan that's what you see mm-hmm. the, the 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 crazy old master that's got these really weird way of torturing you until you become this phenomenal um and people have this I, oh, sorry <laughs> <laughs> there was a cow in my iPad. Uh, people have this idea that that this is what you need to succeed. You need to have this really strict, unusual discipline. Is it really? Uh, how how real is this? I mean, uh, was it really like that in the past, uh, or was is it? It's just it was very real hundreds of years ago. Your life depended on it. Uh, in modern art, it's Chiba Sensei, our teacher, has talked about this often uh, and Chris touched on it earlier that, you know you call yourself martial artists you really aren't you know we're practitioners at least uh, our people are uh, I don't face life and death every day right. and so it, it's very different um, well that means you, do, you haven't been driving around Mission Abbotsford have you well you know <laughs> uh, Chris have you ever read a book called Meditations on Violence Absolutely. Yeah. So he talks about that, and other people have mentioned this. Uh, training is different from uh, uh, sparring. Sparring is different from 
uh, fighting. Fighting is different from uh, actual combat. I mean, it escalates, yeah. and the mindset is is completely different in either one. If you're in a job that requires life and death every day, police officers, correctional people, uh, special forces, military people, I mean, I, I really have no idea. I've never done that. So it's a, very, it's a very wide question, and it's kind of difficult to answer. I suppose it would have to deal with your, your circumstances. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So this is sort of connected to that. I mean, obviously, popular culture distorts everything that it looks at pretty much, not just martial arts, but things like mixed martial arts. Yes. It actually takes that takes the martial arts name MMA, and, and then puts it in a metal cage and puts these two people fighting each other. What do you think of something like that? How does that affect I, I the friend said, I think Ferris Hinckley said, um, uh, is it the, helping the, or is it hurting martial arts? Well, I mean, I, I guess it's you know it's a sense of help. I, I'm I'm not a huge fan of the mixed martial arts myself, but uh, I think you know it is keeping that lifeblood pumping a little bit, and and you know I think that's where the interest lies. I can certainly say over the last few years I've seen a you know a decrease in the number of of new people interested in this style of martial art. There are some that come along, and sometimes people that come along and say, you know, I'm not interested in that. I say, well. Why aren't you interested? Let's find out and talk about it and see. And, and sometimes we have something to offer those people. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's all right there. But I think, you know, I, I don't know how really that falls on the true path of martial arts in the sense that there's so much about it that really goes contrary to the, the real philosophy of the martial arts. You know, and, Really? And, um, you know, they're, they're good fighters. You know, and there's no doubt those guys train hard. You know, they're good. Um, I'm not saying anything about that. It's just that I think... You know, part of the idea of a martial artist is that you're trying to, you learn a lot about why you don't want to fight, really, with mm-hmm. doing all this stuff. You learn about how you can damage Great your body. Um, you know, we learn about knife fighting. The last thing, you know, I ever want to do is be in a knife fight. Knife fight would just be the ugliest thing imaginable. I mean, it's just, you know, horrible. And let alone, you know, breaking someone's arm or, or killing them or something. You know, that, that's that's not a pleasant place to really want to be. And I know, you know, I, I don't want to be there. Um, so it's a real... Uh, paradox, really, about what you study, you know, learning this and, and trying to make yourself a better person of, of learning these terrible things, I guess you could say. Mm. But um, but I see the mixed martial arts things like, well, you know, we got tested out in the sea, and, and the whole idea of, well, if you can't really you can't really test it, you can't really do it, sort of thing. I think, you know, I don't know, I don't, I don't buy that argument. And these guys were training people to fight and kill hundreds of years ago, doing the same kind of methods of using that, you know, or using the same methods they are. Um, they managed to do, learn, fight, and survive. I think, I think it works. It's a different kind of thing. We just, you know, I just don't want to get in the ring and, you know, with the intention of I'm going to kill a guy. That's just ridiculous, obviously. Mm-hmm. So I think it's just a different, different mindset. Yeah, yeah, Chris, I agree with you. Uh, the I know nothing about MMA other than what the little bit I've seen. On uh, I don't know what their motivation is. I mean, these guys get paid, right? So it's a professional yeah. sport. Yes. Um, as far as cross training, Karen, uh, well, I'm not a big fan of that, and this is a very personal opinion. Uh, uh, my thought on that again, just to my own thoughts is that are that you uh, it's hard enough to learn one discipline and to you know mix stuff up. I can't do it myself. I mean, uh, I'm, there are probably very gifted people that can, but a lot of uh, 
a lot of what my teacher says uh, is that it's predicated on a lot of martial art is predicated on a on um, the Japanese martial art at least is you know if you know how to do one thing really well if that's all you ever learn if you can execute that night and day in your sleep you're very formidable I mean really you don't have any openings and I think that's kind of what it's about mm. to me and that that's that's a lifelong study I can't do it could, could, could I compare this to somebody who speaks five different languages they'll speak one very very well but they'll speak passably okay with the other four no there are people that are extremely gifted in, and there are people that cross-train very successfully Yamoto Musashi says you know know something of everything so I can't do that I'm I'm just a dumb guy it just it, <laughs> it takes long enough to mm, I've heard it again our teachers say that it, uh, it it takes 40 to 50 years just to learn your body you know mm-hmm. what it is and what it does and and I think you have to look at the theme that goes through a, through a martial art tradition too, right? So, you know, when we do a lot of different weapons, um, and you couldn't simply say, okay, we're okay now we're learning spear technique, now we're learning staff technique, now we're learning knife technique. There has to be a flow of the body movement, the mechanics that are, you know, and every once in a while they say, well, couldn't you just do this? So yes, yes, you could do that, and it may even work. But honestly, it means you have to learn a new thing to do, you know, it's a new way of moving. Let's try and keep it consistent in a pattern that works. You know, that's that's certainly a key thing. So, yeah, you can try and you know cover your holes you have in your training and say, okay, well, I'm a really good striker. I want to kick and punch, but oh, my ground game is no good. So I'm going to go study judo for a while, or I'm going to study Brazilian jiu-jitsu. And you know, but how does your movement in Brazilian jiu-jitsu really move, work with your karate? I mean, do you have that inconsistent movement pattern, or, or you know, how do you do that? It's, you can, it's possible you can do it, but it's it's not going to be an art anymore. Well, isn't that exactly what kind of uh, Bruce Lee sort of did? When he invented Jeet Kune Do? Bruce Lee is one of those special individuals. Oh, yeah. <laughs> special is... Uh, there, there are always... There are some... I mean, he was truly an amazing martial artist. There's no doubt. And there, there are several of those around, you know, but um, they're not most of us. Mm-hmm. Did you find, like, going back to, like, Bruce Lee or Jackie Chan or MMA, do you find that students come to you with the expectations that they will very quickly be able to, to do those sorts oh, of things? Oh, absolutely. I mean, mm-hmm. Neo, I know what you did, too. <laughs> Welcome to the matrix. Yeah, and you know, or the, 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 you know, the five-minute mon- training montage. You know, we talked about this. You know, yes, and, yes, and, yes. and your montage, like, no, it's it's coming every day, training the rest of the rest of your life. You know, over and over, and you know, the, the sore muscles and the bruises and you know, the strains and just the tiredness. You know, the mental fatigue, the emotional mm-hmm. fatigue. I really don't want to do this anymore, and keep them coming back and coming back. You know, and and working on what you suck at—that's you know the real part. Like everyone likes to work on, oh, I'm gonna punch hard. Okay, I'll work on my punches. Well, you punch well or well enough, you know. But you you, you can't kick. You know, you need to work on that. Your flexibility's yeah. poor. So, mm-hmm. you know, training's hard. It's like everyone wants to learn a new language, right? Everyone says, oh, I want to speak that other language. But who actually sits down and does the work to learn that language? See how he said uh, your flexibility's poor and looked at me when he said that. <laughs> right away, he knew. Have you ever run into people, Chris, that will come to your dojo and you'll be showing them a uh, like a real core piece of your art, I mean, a, a, a foundational piece, and they'll say something like, you know, well, I don't like that or I, I don't want to do that. And my response is just say, what are you talking about? You know, like, this doesn't, you know, you don't like this part? This is, it, it worked for warriors. I mean, what, you don't even know what you're talking about. So how can you... 
Yeah. How can you say you don't like this? Yeah. Well, might prefer being punched in the face. <laughs> yeah. What did Mike Tyson say? It's something like uh, you, something to the effect that you can you can be great boxer until you get punched in the face, and then what do you do, or something like that? Yeah. I <laughs> yeah. I, I remember an experience of people saying, I, "Well, there's a few things." I mean, um, probably like you guys, we do a lot of chemistry. You know, we have a lot of you know, learning to hit the ground properly, rolling and break falls and stuff like that. And most people that come to us, you know, if they're even if they're as young as their their teens, using you know twenties, thirties to come in, they haven't been rolling on the ground since they're eight years old. And some of them find that <laughs> challenging. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, in fact, sometimes if you have people that show up at the dojo, you you just recognize, you know, I'm not sure I really want this guy training in here. As we can just practice with Kimmy all day long, and they just disappear. It's interesting how it works. And the guys have been with us for you know ten years. They have no problem. They understand. Okay, we're doing a camping today. Hmm. I got a couple of questions. Um, I wanted to ask. Um, a lot of time uh, when you when you look at martial art, the first thing that people start going, they start talking about energy flow. Yeah, they call it chi or ki or something like that. How 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 much truth is there to that, if any? It's very true. You think it's very true? Oh, I can say without question, but it's. Uh, in the United States, there's a state called uh, Missouri, and they have a saying there that says, show me, I'm from Missouri. And I've always interpreted that as if you can feel it, touch it, hold it, toss it up and down, and it's real. And if it's not, then it's not. Uh, I just don't buy into that. And again, I don't have the knowledge of it as far as thousands of years of culture behind me like they do in in the East, but... Uh, if you're asking, is internal energy real? Yeah, sure. Uh, uh, I'm not adept at describing it really well. I think it's probably. I don't think really I can. But uh, it, it's real. You, it's something you can feel. You can experience it with a senior teacher, very much so. Yeah, because there, there's some there's some pretty far out things there. I mean, I, I remember watching a video. They were talking about. I think it was a Kung Fu master, Sifu Chan, something like that. He was apparently extinguishing candles at 10 feet away with a punch in the air. He's 10 feet away. And he, I don't know. <laughs> Seems that's, like that, yeah. That's a different thing, though. Than There's a lot of charlatan stuff, too. Yeah, parlor tricks in martial arts. That's been around for hundreds of years. You know, people doing things and, you know, bending spears with their throat, Darren Shirt stuff. And, yeah, but uh, a bit more like the, uh, the Shaolins are doing. Yeah. They're doing tours to pick up money to, to do that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But do you think there is there there is something, Charles? Do you think there is something that might be worth exploring? Absolutely, uh, it, it's at the heart of it. Uh, uh, Eastern cultures grow up with this belief system embedded deeply, hundreds and hundreds of years. It's it's not a thing they even think about. It, it's like breathing. You know, it's there. Uh, is it hard to do? It is for me. It comes and goes. It's uh, as you get older and you learn your body. It's 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 there. It's very elusive. At least those are my experiences with it. But Chris, what do you, you jump in well, on? This? Kevin, a little of my thoughts on this. I, I'm you know I say straight off. I know I, I don't believe in magic. Um, I don't think that's real. I think there's something. Ab- there is a spirituality to, to proper practice of martial art. Um, you know, uh, we have a test that you know certainly could be taken that way as being 
showing that you're receptive to this, and I think it's pretty good. But, but I have I have my own ideas sometimes about things, and certainly there's many practitioners in my art would you know never disagree with some of my feelings about it. Uh, I tend to look at the idea of key as more about intention, body structure, you know, um, uh, you know your, your state of mind, that sort of thing. Whether whether active energy, I, I I haven't seen evidence for that. But I will say there's things I don't know. I've seen things that have been interesting. You know, I say I don't know if I can explain that. Um, and 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 that's uh, you know from from my fairly scientific point of view is, you know, or, or reasoning. And but I'm willing to accept that there's things I don't understand. Oh you know? yes. And I this I just I just don't like the science. Say aha, you know I can't explain it. It must be magic. I, I really dislike that idea. Um, but it doesn't mean that's I'm going right. to sit down and investigate it myself. But sometimes I might play with these ideas a little bit. Um. I something that uh, I've played hockey a lot, and uh, this sounds really strange, but um, w- there are days when you play, and all you uh, suddenly there's nothing except for what you're doing right there, and it's like a it's almost like a physical meditation, like you nothing exists outside the world except for what you are doing with your body right at that moment. And I would think that in martial arts, when you practice, you get a, you would get to the point where you could sort of feel that quite a bit. So is that something that might tie in with this concept? It's more like a, it's a meditation, but it's but it's a very physical sort of ex- Absolutely. ability to do Absolutely. that. I, I've always said that, you know, that uh, training for me is, is, is a standing meditation. Right? So um, we bow in the class, and for me that's, that's, you know, it's a ritual. And then we were talking, we wanted to talk a little about mysticism, but I think mysticism, you know, that's definitely has mystic properties to it that you have mm-hmm. a ritual there's a liturgy there's you know a thing that we say it's Japanese that basically says you know class is starting for me that says that puts me after years of doing this it gets me in that mind frame right. um, and then when we train that is meditation absolutely yeah. and and it's you know trying to put your mind in that right point to be receptive be aware uh, and let you know it's almost like a super consciousness that you know things are happening around you and and Maybe it's freeing your body to do things, you know, without the fetters of your mind interrupting it. But yeah, uh, Sensei Charles is a great saying for that. You call it the beginner's mind. Always well, have the beginner's mind. It's that's yeah, that's that's very standard in Japanese art. And getting, I, I want to touch on this again because it's important to me. Of course. Um, yeah, this this key is something that you can watch on a YouTube video or something. I mean, that's no. Uh, and watching a lot of those, our founders' uh, earlier footage is look, all looks fake. Um, when you talk about key, my interpretation of it is um, a centered body. Um, and I think any martial student, after two, three, four decades, whatever, you 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 know when your body is centered. I know there. Are, when I go to my teacher. Uh, he can't like point his finger at me, and I don't do backflips or anything like that. But if I try to move him, for example, I can't do it. Um, uh, th- there's no magic to it, but just lear- learning how to center your body, where the center is, well, that's if you want to talk about key. That's that's it for me. The concept is goes back. Uh, Thousands of years. I mean, to India, the the your what's the word prana? Uh, no, that's breath. Um, it, it, everyone has this center of your body, mm. uh, and I can't imagine that the North American culture, which is 
I mean, these people, at least in Japan, thousands of years ago, and in India and China, I mean, we were crawling around in loincloths or sheepskins while they had mathematics and geography. And and so I, I just find it kind of ridiculous that um, people interpret key or chi or as something that you can, you know, again, make people do flips or mm. burst into flames or whatever the heck they do. I don't know. Yeah, is, is it... That's exactly my my point. I can understand, I can understand saying you know you can you can center your body, you can concentrate, you could be focused. That's fine. But when it reaches the realm of outside the laws of physics, you know they'll say, um, you know you, you, this guy is so rigid, he's so focused, he's so centered that you cannot physically bend his arm. That 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 to me is a bit. It's almost marketing. It seems it sounds like marketing to at that point. That's to me too. Okay. So so you're you're what you're asking is about the yeah, like the things that you see on on YouTube or whatever. Yellow bamboo. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I've never seen that. I, oh. I really need to pull that up. Everyone listening now, just go Google yellow bamboo and look for a video. <laughs> <laughs> on YouTube, yellow bamboo. I'll look that up for sure. So yeah, so that's that's your you guys. Are, it sounds like you both agree that uh, that's kind of the the sham part of it that these things aren't real but but people are just marketing them well i think it's i i think these are people that have, have believed their own delusion or their their own lies you know that they've, they've gone this way that and it falls into i guess a bit of a, a cult pattern really because when when people start to you know it, there's no way it can work without the students allowing the teacher to do these things. Right. You know? so and so this is where they f- and fail and they say, hey, look, I'll do it. I'll, anybody, I'll throw out a challenge and you'll, and, uh, any mixed martial arts want to come in here, I'll use my, I'll use my ability to throw key and you won't be able to defeat me and they get, you know, <laughs> handed their ass um, right. and uh, they can't figure it out. And I think it's because, you know, they've gone to this point that they say they, they believe their own, own lies that, and, and uh, mm-hmm. they've become deluded. And you know, it's just that's almost you know, well, it is mental illness, I think, and that's unfortunately gives a bad name to martial arts in general because that's not yeah. what we're really about, right? Yeah, I agree with you. You know, um, your uh, teacher Hudson Vicente. This is an interesting, different side of this. Your you talk about belief systems or your your perception. Uh, if you were ignorant and you looked at him, I've seen his work, and he's an amazing martial practitioner. If you walk up to someone like that and you have no perception, um, he's a regular person. Dresses you, very oddly, but yes. Well, <laughs> dresses oddly, but I mean, if you have, uh, if you're sensitive to this, there are certain people that you would not for example, come over with and, and take a swing at. You just mm. fe- It's like watching a tiger that's sleeping. It looks like a big pussycat until it gets angry. Um, and I, I know in our discipline, people have come over to Shiva Sente and walked right into him. And yeah, I, I, I understand that because I did meet uh, Chiba Sensei once and it's exactly the, the feeling mm-hmm. I had. I, I I really felt like this guy stepped out of a time warp. I could have put a samurai armor on him and it would have been believable. He really had that uh, that presence. Yeah, he has presence uh, and intensity and, and those... If you're sensitive to that, then you... 
stay away from it. <laughs> so, so that's another interesting side of it to me is that, right. you know, I think we've kind of revolved around this magical part of it, and, and I agree that that's nonsense, but... but uh, well, I would never come over to... You, there are people that you get in a mat or you're at a seminar. They see people that you've never met from Japan or something. You you, you feel they've got the juice. Oh, yeah. You know, so that that's key to me. That, okay. That's what we're talking about. Well, that's very interesting. That's very interesting. And almost warrants another show to look deeper into this because it seems like we've already just scratched the surface mm-hmm. and we're just about five minutes shy of an hour already. Oh, really? Yeah, oh. I know. So, shall we move on then? Mm-hmm. We'll have to come. Oh, let's do another segment. Well, that, that was very interesting. Thank you for your thoughts on that. Another brilliant moment brought to you by religion. And again, feel free to jump in if yeah, you have anything to say. Yeah, feel free to jump in, guys. Now, um, this is our uh, wacky news in religion, as usual. And uh, bear with me for a minute here, but uh, you can see where this is going. Uh, there's a gentleman called Gordon Klingsching Schmidt, who wins the uh, GOP primary in uh, in uh, Colorado. Um, Republican primary. Yeah, for those of you who don't know, the American GOP playing. stands for Grand Old Party. <laughs> now I know some of you are saying, Kev, why are you talking about this? this? These are American politics. Why are we talking about this? Well, bear with me here for a second. This gentleman is apparently a disgraced former Navy chaplain who claims to have successfully exorcised a lesbian soldier. And he won by 52.6% of the vote. So let that sink in for a, sec- for a second. This is a guy who basically says Obamacare causes cancer, that people need guns to defend against left-wing crazies, the FCC allows demons to visually rape kids, that gays should be discriminated against since only heaven-bound people are entitled to equal treatment, uh, gays are inhuman, they should print anti-gay Bible verses on gay wedding photos, this is a politician, and he says that gay soldiers are constantly taking breaks to change their diapers because their sin causes them to lose their bowels. Okay, let me just say that he got elected as in, within the Republican Party. This is not the the grand, the general American population, right? No, this is, yeah. it's a very small fraction of a very small fraction of American population in one state. I can't remember which state you said it was. Uh, Colorado. Colorado. Now, I, I know, you. like I said, people are saying, what's the link here? And um, my first question was, could this happen in Canada? Can we get this kind of crazy politician? Well, no. <laughs> you would think so. But then go see Peter McKay. Peter McKay uh, has appointed 13 judges, and 12 of them are men, one of them is a woman. 34% of the judges appointed by the conservatives are women. And this is a gentleman that is a staunch creationist, and he's a staunch believer that the earth is 6,000 years old and the traditional roles of men and women. Okay, so let's see. 34% of conservative judges that have been appointed in the past. Or, sorry, no, judges, judges appointed, appointed by, by conservatives. 34%, but he has done one in 12. One in 13. One in 13. So, so um, when he was asked why, uh, he made comments about women not wanting to travel away from their kids. I don't know about you, but that starts to raise a, ra- a red flag as far as I'm concerned. And then he had the uh, famous uh, Mother's Day and Father's Day greetings, where he basically, on the Mother's Day greeting, he praised the ability to juggle the work and family. And then on the Father's Day, he basically praised men for their ability to shape the minds of future leaders. 
then he claims it's a, apparently a female staffer that well, did that. he caught heat for this because it was sexist, and then instead of owning up for it, he said, oh, well, I had a woman write that. Yeah. <laughs> so that was so, his defense. Question one is, first of all, is anybody surprised by this? And question two, although this is a lesser degree than this Gordon Clinton Schmidt in the States, I'm, st- I'm starting to see the same pattern. It's not as bad as down there, but this is how it begins. Are politicians doing that? You guys have any thoughts on this? Or am I just nuts here? No, you're not nuts. Uh, you could spend years talking about, you know, this kind of issue uh, as far as Peter McKay. Uh, you know, one thing I will say about this, and I'll leave it alone, uh, is that uh, one of my students was in the military, and he says the first thing that military people do is deny when there's a problem, mm-hmm. and then when that doesn't work, they blame somebody else. And so that's universal. I mean, you just had in Japan a couple of weeks ago, there was a member of parliament, a woman, who was pushing for uh, uh, home care, and she was hounded unmercifully in her in the Diet uh, to the point of tears where the her fellow colleagues, which were men, were basically saying, you know, breed, don't lead, I guess, is a way of putting it. Ouch, Breed, don't lead? Oh, yeah, well, I mean, so horrible. all I'm saying, or alluding to, is that this concept of, of you know, it's not, or it's not exclusive to the United States or Canada. I mean, they're good people, and there are way out people everywhere. Yeah, but... I, I, yeah. I guess one of the the point I'm trying to make here is I find it scary. Although Canada is a much more secular country than our neighbors at the south, uh, I find it scary when I'm seeing the people in power right now turning more and more toward these kind of things. And Peter McKay is just one of them. Uh, the prime minister is a fairly religious fa- fellow. Um, the minister of science, uh, his last name is Goodyear, doesn't even want to pronounce himself on religion. Uh, the MP Ed Fast for Abbotsford. Uh, says uh, said to a, a friend of mine during an interview, and without missing a beat, that he thought the Jew, uh, the uh, the conservatives were doing the work of God. I don't know. I'm seeing a whole bunch of red flags here. I get some people saying, "Oh, Kevin, come on, you you just." Well, no, religion and politics shouldn't mix. I mean, yeah, it's a huge red flag, and yeah. you're seeing it here in Canada. It's coming across and uh, seeping across well, the border. Admit, I mean, the funny thing is that the states actually, although know, they have written in division between church and state. In Canada, we really don't. No. Um, and while I don't agree with these individuals, I think um, that, you know, the idea of the core of the religion is that, you know, you're trying to follow good values, you know, you think, or you think what are good values. And, and, and so I can see how if you, you know, if you believe you find good values, why would you not pursue those in, in your job, which for them is, you know, being leaders, um, so at least you know they're they're honest and upfront about what they're talking about, and I guess it, it falls upon the population to say whether you want that or not. You know, when you're voting for. That's a great point. Yeah, and I and to that point in Canada, so Peter McKay says says these things, which are are as you said, much less, much more, much less horrible than the things the American his American counterpart said. And in Canada, there's an outcry. There is lots of people who have been down his throat about him saying these things, whereas in the states. You actually have to say you're religious to get elected. Like it, it's a very, it's a very different thing in Canada. People say, no, look, you said that, and that was wrong, and there's an outcry. And in the states, it, it doesn't seem to happen that much. So, I think, 
But you know, I, I, the, the, when I'm still sorry. I don't want to break the point, but we were all raised with the idea. I don't know about you guys, but my my dad always used to say, the "United States sneeze, Canada gets a cold." You know, so I, I, I a lot of the things that happened happened in the states first, and then they happened down here. And this but, is what I'm worried about. This is yeah. what I'm worried about because I see the writing on the wall on there. It is going nuts, just like uh, the whole Hobby Lobby thing that just happened last week. It's going crazy down there, and I. I it seems to be spreading this way, coming up north. It's not nowhere near as bad, but it is, in my opinion, starting to come over. I don't. I don't necessarily agree with that, Kevin. I, I, I mean, we're a fundamentally different culture than the U.S. Thank goodness. And <laughs> yes. uh, uh, I, I can't see it happen. I sure wouldn't want to see it happen. Well, you don't want the Canada to turn like the U.S. No, no. I, 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 what did Rick Mercer say? We're bigger and we're on top, so that makes you our bitch. <laughs> Love Rick Mercer. Well, I do. I think your reaction to like, Peter McKay, people, there's been an outcry about that. I think that tells you that Canada is not going to accept these sorts of things. Well, we should certainly hope so, and let's hope people get it, stay on top of something like that and they get involved as well. Uh, something like that will seep by if people are too apathetic about it. Well, on that, there's two by-elections, uh, two in Alberta, two in Ontario. I believe the voter turnout in Alberta anyway was 15%, one five. That is absolutely appalling. Yes, so. that is disgraceful. Nothing else to add on that? Let's move on? Yes. Okay, let's move on. Time for my rant, I guess. All right, I was once told by an acquaintance that she didn't like skeptics because they ruined the magic of living. Although I was taken aback by an answer I wasn't expecting, I have to now plead guilty to the charges. But is that such a crime? We all have a natural tendency to admire what we perceive as beauty, art, poetry, and the like. They give us hope that our already difficult life can be improved and we aren't doomed to misery all too common in this pale blue dot. From the immortal works of Shakespeare to the masterpiece of Rodin or Tchaikovsky, humans have dedicated space, time, and even bonded to culture this pursuit of hope through the admiration of beauty and the magic of life. It has only enriched our species. But like every successful invention, there are usually cheap knockoffs that appear shortly after, trying to ride this wave of success. We're all aware of cheap imitation of Gucci bags or iPhones, to name a few, but we often ignore the stories and myths that are a pale imitation of life and whose only purpose is to either curb your habits or steal your energy and money. Why do we skeptically look at urban myth but accept religious stories because they seem to bring magic to your life? These myths are so persistent that they've infiltrated everything in culture, just like we saw in Martial Arts Tonight. The bottom line is simple. Do you prefer a possibly harsh truth or would you rather have a comfortable lie? reality or virtual. Skepticism isn't just important in the pursuit of truth, it's vital. We certainly aren't doing ourselves any favor by living in a made-up world filled with magic beings, angels, monsters, and gods, and the blood-drenched pages of history books testify to the folly of our willingness to accept faith as a reasonable gauge of reality. It's high time to teach ourselves and our kids not what to think, but how to think. I guarantee there will be no less fantastic or awe in the life with a healthy dose of skepticism, but as Henry Kissinger once said, 
it has the added value of being true. Well, brings us to the end of our show. Thank you, gentlemen, so much for joining us. That was wonderful mm, to have you here. Welcome. Yeah, it was it was great to have both of you guys. Let's well, give them a large applause to these people. Mm. Sensei Charles and Sensei Chris. Hopefully you guys will uh, get a lot of sponsors. Hopefully you guys will welcome back anytime you yeah, want. It'd be fun to come back again. Yeah, yeah it would be fun to come back again. Chris, I greatly admire your uh, very deep knowledge of uh, the hopological guy here. You know. You know what hopology is? No. No. <laughs> Look it up. Okay. Okay. So we're not we're not gonna have a fight between those two individuals. Of course not. They are both gentlemen. Oh, jeez. I was so hoping for a battle here. No, I guess not. <laughs> no, I don't think you were. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. So anything? Anyway, uh, anything coming up on the next couple of shows, Karen? You want to mention or? Uh, next show, I believe we are going to have Mr. Mark Cunningham join us yes. uh, with a, a look at raising your family as an atheist. Yeah. And, uh, we, we, we'll have that. And uh, we have uh, Peter Bogosian that's scheduled to apparently come uh, talk to us probably live via somewhere in Portland uh, somewhere in September. And Dr. Del Rey is going to be talking to us as well about the God virus. Uh, so I guess we'll see you guys in a couple of weeks. Until then, have a great day. Bye. Thank you, guys. Bye. Mm-hmm. Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.